Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. With me again, as always, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. This week, we are continuing our discussion of our rankings and tiers. And and this week, we're talking about the top 12-plus tight ends. We might go all the way to 24. We'll see how it goes this hour. Um, But at least the top 12, and we're going to tier those out for you guys, again, so you have them ready to go for your startup drafts and off-season trading. And we're just going to get right into it. My first tier is one player different from Ryan and Dan. Uh, the, so the three that we have in common are Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle, of course. And I threw Evan Ingram in there because hashtag brand. Ryan, I guess tell me why I'm wrong about Evan Ingram. <laughs> because you're sentimental. Um, <laughs> I just I don't know if we've ever seen elite level of play with Evan Ingram on the field with Odell Beckham. So that's that's really my main concern. Um, I'm. I, Definitely not a player that I'm scared to own, uh, but he's also a guy, if he's my tight end one, I'm not even sure if I can start him every week. I feel like even though he's probably that second tier guy, I still might have to back him up with a Delaney Walker or or a Jimmy Graham or some one of those veterans. Uh, and that really already we're getting into it. That's just how weak the tight end position is right now. I was thinking the same thing, Ryan, that... When you have Ingram, and I have him in places, I'm the feeling of having to start Kyle Rudolph over him or Jack Doyle over him makes you makes you not feel like I don't I don't think you can qualify as a tier one tight end w- with with that kind of asterisk next to your name. So that's what held him out, and and I'm an Ingram fan as well. And what Ryan said there is true. Without that production, with everybody on the field in New York, it just doesn't feel right having him among that top group of guys. I, I really thought I was going to be on, you know, going into this thing, kind of shifting gears a little bit. I thought having George Kittle as my number two tight end was going to be ahead of the pack a little bit, but I went to the, I just pulled up the DLF rankings and it seems like everybody's up there with George Kittle being the number two guy, uh, with the exception of you, Matt, you have you still are holding on to Ertz above Kittle. Either way, I think all three of those guys deserve to be in that tier one. Evan Ingram, though, I, I can't get on board. You're going to have to talk me into that, Matt. I, I knew this one was going to be a little bit of a fight, and I know I'm going to end up having to move him to tier two, but here is some other reasoning why I think he still belongs there. 
I don't think he's ever been an elite producer with Odell on the field. I will agree with that. However, he has increased his catch rate by 15% over his rookie season. His yards per game actually increased. His yards per reception increased. He only really had two games where he was unusable. In uh, week three was the week he got hurt. He only had one target, one catch one ni- for 19 yards. In week seven, on his first game back, he had two catches on four targets for 16 yards. Really pretty terrible. But otherwise, he didn't see a game. Uh, I-, I take it back. In week 11, he had two targets, two catches for 66 yards. Still a usable week by tight end standards, but only two targets there. Other than that game, when he was healthy, he never received less than uh, really five targets in a game. So I still think those are respectable numbers for a tight end. Um, and I, I don't think his production week to week was necessarily as bad as you guys are painting it. And he saw some strides uh, where he gained in, in other aspects of his game. So uh, I will, however, agree that he is not up to the same standards as those three that we're talking about. But I don't think that there's anything other than perhaps quarterback play and, and what that situation is going to be. And I guess we can have the, the too many mouths to feed argument, although I kind of I don't like that argument. But I will relent and move him to Tier 2 for the consensus uh, rankings. As far as, as far as Kittle goes, back to Dan's comment, to me Kittle is closer to tight end 1 than he is to tight end 3. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I stand on that one. Uh, and then on Ingram – yeah, I didn't mean to. I felt like we just jumped right in and started bashing Evan Ingram. <laughs> but, I mean, I I really like Evan Ingram a ton. I think he it firmly belongs in that second tier. And we've got to remember, we've been a little spoiled with the production that we saw from Ingram and Kittle in these first two years, and then both the other two sophomores, or, or I guess now headed into their third year, Howard and Njoku, we have certainly seen flashes from those guys. And typically, dynasty owners don't really even expect production, or at least maybe they shouldn't expect production from those tight ends until that third year or maybe even longer sometimes. So uh, I didn't want it to seem like Evan Ingram was a guy that I was was bashing or, or afraid to roster or anything <laughs> like that. No, no, not at all. I just, I just think we could be in a similar situation ne- this this time next year with Kittle. You know, we he, they're going to bring in some more weapons. Certainly, uh, he Kittle is not going to be the only game in town again, and we'll, then we'll be in the same situation where we've had one elite year and you know a, a kind of a ho hum year. You know, a, hopefully he avoids injury like Ingram did. Um, but I just feel like we could be in a similar conversation next year with him. Yeah, that's totally fair. This last off season, the conversation was who's the tight end one Ingram or, or Gronk. Right. So yeah, that's fair. And, and I was wrong about that. I'm pretty sure in our hot take episode, one of my hot takes was that Evan Green Ingram will be the the tight end one overall in ADP this time. Uh, so that didn't, that didn't quite work out for me, but I still, still believe in him. Let's talk about tier two guys. Uh, again, pretty similar. We have one difference and again, another guy I'm on the fence about, uh, but uh, we all have David and Joku, OJ Howard and Hunter Henry in this tier, uh, you guys also have Ingram, of course. And then Dan and I both have Dallas Goddard. I'm going to let Dan start with why Goddard is in, all the way up in tier two for him. Well, the, the thing I really like about Goddard is actually one of the main dings on Goddard for most dynasty owners, and that's that Zach Ertz is there. And, and a lot of people looked at it, look at that as a negative, but through at least one season, that should be seen, I believe, 
as a positive, he still put up the numbers. He still looked impressive from time to time. And, and you know, with a guy like Ertz already in place, as well as those other weapons in that offense, including Elshon Jeffrey, and, and you can say what you want about Aguilar and, and the running backs, but he still, you know, seems to shine or stick out when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles. So, so I always came away from watching a, an Eagles game thinking, or not always, but regularly it felt like, like, man, that is a guy that needs more opportunities, especially in the red zone. I, I think it was right away in week one in that, in that Thursday night opener that he came down with that huge catch and just barely missed dragging that second toe for the touchdown. And, you know, we saw that from time to time throughout the year. He had the big game in week three against the Colts. Uh, and, and, you know, it seems like that's a guy that the, the Eagles, a good coaching staff, which I think the Eagles already have, will try to try to get more involved as things go on. So I really, I really feel strongly that Goddard is the top, well, 2018 rookie, uh, tight end. He obviously overtook the other group. And I think I feel strongly that he belongs among some of these other young tight ends, like even Evan Ingram and Njoku and Oju Howard, who Ryan just mentioned. I think he belongs in this group as that up-and-comer who has elite upside. We just haven't quite seen it consistently yet. I pretty much agree with most of that. I do. I, I am the one of the one of us, the one of the, us three who has Goddard in that tier three and actually made some changes uh, just earlier today. I actually had a, a large tier three with headed up by Eric Ebron and then Goddard and, and then a bunch of these other guys that we'll get to later and, and realize that to me, there's, there's a difference. Ebron and Goddard are not in that same group of these, these younger tight ends that we're talking about, but certainly like them more than some of those, low end tight end ones, uh, again, that we'll get to soon. So I made a change and put Ebron and Goddard in a tier of their own in tier three. And, and I, for me, I just can't quite get past the Ertz, uh, issue. And really I was, Matt and I were talking about this, uh, before we hit record tonight that Ebron and Goddard are not, not all that different in when it comes to age. Goddard, of course, entering his second year in the league, uh, and, and Ebron entering what his his fifth or sixth, and Ebron's only uh, a little over a year older than Goddard. So that's something we don't pay quite as much attention to with tight ends. But it is kind of surprising that Goddard is is just a little over a year younger. Yeah, I almost I almost feel like Goddard belongs in a tier of his own because I. I would not trade him for Njoku, Howard, or Henry, not even close. I don't think that that's something you would have to do, um, and I certainly wouldn't do it. But I do like him better than that new next group that does include Ebron and Goddard. So I was on the fence. I had him in Tier 3 initially and then kind of saw Dan had him up there and was like, well, I could be convinced, I guess. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what to do here, Dan. Are we? Do, you want, do we want to move them down? Or are we going to hold fast and make Ryan move them up? I, I want to make Ryan move them up. You know, I the thing I, I'm staring at Ryan's tier of Howard, Ingram, and Joku and Henry, and in Joku and Henry, 
seem like the same exact player as Goddard. And, and looking specifically at Henry, his rookie season, 36 catches, 478 yards. He had the eight touchdowns, which, of course, made Dynasty owners all starry-eyed and smitten over, over Henry. And in his second year, 45 catches, 579 yards, four touchdowns. Goddard, in his first year, his first chance with an elite tight end already on the field, 33 catches, 344 yards, and four touchdowns. It 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 just it seems obvious to me that Goddard, especially using just that eye test, the the watching him week in and week out, and seeing that that big playability and that the thing that we see with Travis Kelsey running the seam and and with Gronk high pointing a pass in the end zone. Those are the things that we actually got to see in NFL games with Goddard on the field. So those are the things that that make me feel like we as a dynasty community should be valuing Goddard equally, at least to these young tight ends that we feel have that kind of upside, like Howard Ingram and Joku, and especially Hunter Henry. So unless we're willing, all of us, to move Hunter Henry at least down and, and maybe this whole group down and, and put Ingram in a tier by himself at tier two. I'm I'm really not willing. I'm going to stand on a pedestal and say Dallas Goddard <laughs> belongs in this same tier. What do you say, though, to f- one, two, three, four, five games with zero catches, nine games with three or less targets? I mean, it just I just think he has such his landmine potential is so much higher than any of these other guys, including Hunter Henry, because presumably Antonio Gates is actually not going to be around this year. And presumably he's actually going to stay healthy for majority of the season. So I just don't think you, you are ever going to see these games where, where they put up complete zeros uh, like, 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 like Goddard is. So are we going to say then that because Zach Ertz exists in the same offense, that's the reason why Dallas Goddard is is moved down because then it comes down to the age-old debate of skill versus situation and you know all the things that dynasty owners have talked about since the beginning of dynasty and you know I've always fallen on the side of the debate that skill finally trumps it and you know you know we should at least acknowledge I guess that Dallas Goddard comes from a very small college and suddenly is in the NFL. And and I think those are all good signs that he still put up those 33 catches and those four touchdowns and still made those splash plays. Over anything else that we talk about when it comes to Goddard, for me, is that those those things that make, make you, when you're watching the football game, your eyebrows raise. And it seems like that happened with Goddard as much or more in one year than it did with everybody else in that in this tier. I completely agree with you, but I just think it still comes down to opportunity. And I mean, what when is his situation going to change? When is Ertz going to disappear? You know, you have to also think that they're going to probably bring in another receiver. Uh, I mean, you have Alshon, and, and I mean, it's, I guess if they're going to bring back Tate, I guess. And if, if that's the case, then Tate, Goddard, and and, and, and Zerch are all going to kind of occupy the same area of the field. So I guess I just don't see the situation changing, and that's the scary part about What me. happened here, Matt? Better. Maybe you were, you were supposed to be the one that I, I was on my I, side. I, you were the guy that had him in Tier 2, <laughs> and now you're I do. battling I, against me to keep him out. 
I, you know, I'm not going to move. If you guys are going to force me out with baseball bats, I guess I, I'm going to have to. But I, I really feel like, and Dynasty owners out there, everybody listening, Dallas Goddard is at the same level as all these young first, second, and third year tight ends that we're talking about. Just, I'm going down underwater with my hand in the air saying Goddard belongs in this team. <laughs> well, Ryan, I guess, I guess we lose. I'm okay. I don't. I don't even know what side I'm on anymore. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm okay, including Goddard in this tier. So maybe, maybe that'll. Are, do you not have these similar concerns though about opportunity? Sure, I do, and I, and I think that in the. I mean, obviously, the Ertz situation is is the the big difference maker between these other young tight ends and and Goddard, and yes. Philly has not only used their tight end exceptionally since Peterson got there, but they've used multiple tight ends. So that's that's encouraging, and, and we saw it with Trey Burton in the past. We saw it with Goddard this year. I, I just don't know. I mean, we talked about not being able to start Ingram. I really don't think you can feel comfortable starting uh, Dallas Goddard on a weekly basis. He's he, he's going to get those touchdowns. He was certainly used as a, as a red zone weapon in his rookie season, but it's, it's tough to predict when those are coming. I mean, that's that to me, that's the best argument for having him in this tier is the touchdown argument, because again, you catch a touchdown as a tight end and you're a tight end one for the week. And, and Goddard certainly has just as high as t- touchdown upside as any of these guys. So, uh, we'll, we'll let, we don't want Dan to drown and, and, and go down with the ship. So we'll, uh, we'll raise him up here. If, yes, I, if I could add just one thing to the end of the, this, and I, I have the same exact concerns about Zach Ertz being in place and and the potential for another pass-catching weapon to be added to this Philadelphia offense. All that thing, all those things exist. But when it comes down to it, we're we're all dynasty owners and we're we're trying to project out future value as well as current value. And if we're going going to weigh Ertz's presence so heavily that it downgrades Goddard to a to a unrealistic standing, I guess it, it makes me feel like we're, we're leaning too much towards the redraft philosophy a little bit and Goddard and, and the upside that he's shown because of those big plays and things like that. And I, I think we're all on the same page, really. It, it It's really, we're really not that different on this. I just feel like he belongs with these other young tight ends and, and you guys might feel a little bit slightly towards towards the next group of players. If, if we're going to come down to, to that big of a, or, or that small of a tear break, maybe there, there isn't even a tear break at all in here. And, and this next group of players actually is really close to the ones we're talking about as well. No, not for me. And I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say this: those, those, those eight that we have in the top two tiers. I mean, those are the really the only ones I even feel good about, honestly. And and that's that that includes Dallas Goddard with that. So that's another way to break it down: is he's someone that I feel good about uh, for long term. I just don't. I just unless you can can either of you name another situation other than you know Gronkowski and the player we don't want to talk about. Um, you know, another situation where we've had two tight ends be that productive. I think we could have seen it with Ebron and Doyle last year if Doyle had stayed healthy and on the field. But otherwise, like, I just don't, I just don't know. Unless they're just going to, you know, constantly run that 12 personnel, then if that's going to be their base offense, I just, it just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I do think it's encouraging, and you mentioned Tate coming back to Philly. They essentially kind of gave up on Golden Tate as as the season went on and they were making that playoff push. So after the trade, we saw Goddard's usage drop. Without looking, I think that's probably where a couple of those zero-catch games came in. And then that, that wasn't working. Golden Tate was not fitting into that offense. And in the last couple of weeks, they went back to – uh, they w- went back to Goddard as as more of that guy in the middle of the field rather than using Tate. So I think that's encouraging. I think that also tells us Tate will not be back in Philly. He he made that big touchdown catch that essentially sent them to the playoffs. But uh, beyond that, it was it was a lot of Goddard the last three weeks of the season or so. I can tell you that is true. Uh, for Tate's first game with Philly was week 10, and Goddard had zero catches in week 10, 11, 13, and, uh, of course, in the playoff game, week 19. So, uh, yeah, that, 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 that checks out, and that's a fair point. So if they don't do anything else at receiver, then, then maybe Goddard belongs there. So, All right, so tiers one and two, Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle, and Kittle in the first tier, Ingram, and Joku, Howard, Henry, and Goddard in tier two. Now, tier three. Tier three is a big one for me, for Ryan. Uh, just He just had Ebron and Goddard. For Dan, we can add Burton, Ebron, and Rudolph to that. Oh, sorry, just Burton and Rudolph. I've got a whole bunch of guys here, and I just I don't really know how to separate them, honestly. So I'm just going to throw them out here and let you guys tell me why none of these guys belong in tier three, uh, except for the ones we agree on, which is Burt. Uh, no, just, just Ebron, really. You don't even have Burton here, Ryan, so we have a lot to talk about here. But I have Burton, Ebron, Doyle, Gusecki, Herndon, Andrews, Ian Thomas, Kyle Rudolph, Austin Hooper, and Rob Gronkowski in Tier 3. So, uh, Ryan, tell me who doesn't belong, I guess. I'm not sure if any of these guys belong, honestly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You you look at these, and again, we we talked about it at the beginning, and and it was a discussion, a narrative all year long between injuries and and some struggles of, of Gronk and Graham and some of these players that we had counted on so long. Uh, for so long it's just kind of it's kind of a messy situation right now and I mean Ebron had the production a lot of that came on touchdowns obviously outside of him do you feel good about any of these guys even though we're still we're still in the tight end one range we're still in the top 10 or 12 tight ends I'm not confident rolling out Trey Burton or Kyle Rudolph as my starter in fact when I look at these uh, these tiers whether it's tier three or tier four I feel like I'd just rather gamble on hoping Chris Herndon or Ian Thomas or Mark Andrews are actually for real and can keep it going. I'm I'm not necessarily confident that any of them are, to be honest, but that kind of feels like the better play, the higher upside play than just grabbing Kyle Rudolph's seven and a half points a game. That's what I mean. And that's kind of why I have those young guys in the same tier is I kind of I kind of feel the same. It's, I feel the same about them, but differently. I'm excited about their upside, but there's obviously some question marks. But also, I don't care about the Kyle Rudolphs and Austin Hoopers of the world. They're not difference makers, so why do I care about them? They've got to go somewhere. Uh, they're probably more consistent producers at this stage than these early guys, but but they're not difference makers for your team, whereas these other guys might be, which is, I guess, why I kind of crammed them up here in this Tier 3. Yeah, I guess I would go back to... Look, looking at your list again, Gronk. Gronk does not belong. Uh, you, <laughs> you still had him in this group, and and he's the one. I, I mean, we're by the. But what t- if by, he comes back? What no. if he comes back? No. But what if he does? 
If he doesn't, then he's not on this list anyway. But if he does... He's still not on this list. <laughs> okay. Dan? Well, I struggled with Gronk, actually. I, I, I saw Gronk. So, so to give the listeners a little glimpse into this thing, for, for me, I guess, I, I placed Burton, Ebron, and Rudolph here, and then felt like I had to get that youth... The, all those young guys that you just mentioned, Herndon and Gasecki and Ian Thomas and Mark Andrews and, and all the young guys in there. And then I remembered Gronk and, and thought, man, is he more, would I rather have him in the Trey Burton, Eric Ebron, Kyle Rudolph tier, or does he belong with the youth? So I just made a tier for himself after the youth. And honestly, I, I still don't know if that's right because there is still a chance and I know, Ryan, you, you obviously feel differently that Rob Gronkowski for one year in 2019 could be worth more than one of these young guys. Because while we're all excited about Herndon, who is is a top 12 tight end for me, which sounds kind of ridiculous, actually. And, you know, while we're all excited about these guys, they could all fall on their faces. We, we don't there's no guarantees among that group. And while I want those guys on my team and feel good about Ian, Ian Thomas as my tight end too, I, I'm not in a hurry to make him my starting tight end in week one in 2019. Whereas with Rob Gronkowski, I'm, I'm glad to put him in my starting lineup if he's suiting up for the Patriots with Tom Brady throwing him the football. So I, I think we're in a unique situation with tight ends, especially this year, because of Gronk. Because of this youth movement that we've had in over the last couple of years, and while you know it's true that there's only three guys that we're super excited about putting in our lineup, and and only five more that we're really excited about having on our team, and you know there's still a group of ten more guys or so that are are we're happy to have on our roster and. And looking forward to the future, but because there's so many question marks with our starting lineup after the those top you know handful of guys, we get into these deep debates. And you know, I, I again, I like having Herndon on my team, but I'm starting Gronk over him in week one if Gronk is in the league. So I I had a lot of trouble placing Gronk, and then also those other guys, even Burton. It was hard to put Trey Burton over Chris Herndon for me. So maybe the, maybe the, what we're learning here is that, you know, if you're in a startup, maybe try to grab one of these top eight guys. And if you don't get one of those guys, just just really avoid the position till the very end. Well, I, what what is standing out to me, especially as we've moved into this third tier and beyond, is we really need this rookie class. <laughs> yes, and yes. Uh, well, uh, just just a few minutes ago, I kind of gave the reminder that it's often two or three years before you can expect this production. We're looking at, at three incoming rookies that are being projected as, as possible first-round NFL draft picks. All three are going to go, I, I think, are going to go in the top 24 of rookie drafts, uh, probably at least one of them in the, in the first round. Uh, and talking specifically about Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, and Irv Smith Jr. And to me, if if we're adding those guys to these rankings right now, they're kind of in tier three by themselves, and everybody else is getting moved down. 
that was my next my the next point I was going to bring up, but which I wasn't sure how we felt about <laughs> raking these guys uh, before they have landing spots. But that seems reasonable to me. I'm happy to create a tier three with these these three rookies. Well, even if you think about Fant and and for the for most people, he seems to be the tight end one in the class. Uh, I guess if you if you're looking at dynasty rankings, uh, most NFL uh, NFL draft nicks seem to have uh, his his teammate Hawkinson at the top. But regardless. These guys are being talked about as late first or early second rounders. I mean, are you are you trading a late first rounder for Ebron or Burton or Rudolph or Gasecki, or, or even these young guys we like the the Herndon and Ian Thomas Andrews types? Right, and that's my point is that if someone right now offered me any of those three rookies for anybody in this big group of tier three that I have, I would take it. So does that? I mean, I guess that means that that's that's what we should have, right? I mean, Dan, how do you feel? Would you take any of those three rookies over Burton, Ebron, and Rudolph? No, that's why that's why Dallas Goddard belongs in tier two. Honestly, that that's the thing. <laughs> and I didn't really want to bring it up because we we weren't necessarily talking about the rookie class, but that that's where the line exists to me. And I'm doing it. Okay, <laughs> I'm doing. It. I'm doing it. This, this is just the way it is. Tier three is now Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson. And Irvin, tell me the last guy. Irv Smith. Irv Smith, that's right. Uh, So there we go. There's our tier three. So, and that, you know, we're kind of getting, we're opening up a a can of worms, I guess. But, you know, we are, (laughs) we are one prime landing spot away from shaking that whole thing up. And all of a sudden, one of them rookies jumping into that next tier. And that exists probably with with all these last four episodes and every every position we've talked about here is this rookie class is obviously going to shake things up and suddenly we're going to see names that we wouldn't have even considered a, a few months earlier but it, it's a fun conversation to have no doubt and you know while tier three may today look like guys with names like Rudolph and Ebron and, and Andrews and Thomas and, and the list goes on and on there. It's going to be sh- shaken up so violently in, in just a couple of months. And, and maybe even as soon as early next month, when we start to see combine scores and things like that, uh, that, that we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And I guess that's why listeners should stay tuned to the, to the pod. I think the one guy we should probably expand on here, because I think a lot of listeners will disagree with us, is is Eric Ebron. And I mean, I personally, I've been on record, I, I, I'm not a believer necessarily in this production. Uh, I still think that when Jack Doyle was on the field, he was still a preferred target in that range of the field. Now, I do think Ebron's touchdown upside, you know, went through the roof there, and maybe we should shame put put a shame on Detroit for not figuring out how to use him, especially in that area of the field. Um, but I don't know, Dan, are, are you, are you ready to believe that Eric Ebron is, is a tight end, a top five tight end, at least production? No. And that, you know, that's why I think all of us moved him down these rankings and, and nearly found a tier for himself just for Eric Ebron, because he is a little bit of an unknown because there is the potential, especially in that offense and, and with that quarterback for him to continue to put up numbers. But, but to see a guy, change teams and then suddenly become a double digit and and you know big play red zone threat double digit touchdown guy is you know something that we don't regularly see so while a lot of us dynasty owners were excited about his upside 
coming out of college and, and even landing in Detroit, you know, and the possibility still exists that Detroit just couldn't unlock that potential and figure out how to use that, you know, former top 10 uh, NFL draft pick. I still lean towards Ebron just having a massive season. And, and while I think his catch production of 66, his yards production of 750 is replicable and, and maybe even likely that something like that could happen again, the 13 touchdowns is, is, you know, double what maybe the expectation should be going into 2019. And that's where his value lied. So here, here's where I, I have issue. In every game that Doyle played, that E. Brown also played, he, he out-targeted him in every single game. Week one, Doyle, 10 targets, 7 receptions. Ebron, 5 targets, 4 receptions. In week two, Ebron, 4 catches, sorry, four targets, 3 catches. Uh, Doyle, 5 targets, 2 catches. Week eight, uh, after he came back from injury from Doyle, uh, Ebron with only 3 targets, 3 catches. And Doyle back to dominating that with six catches on seven targets. Um, and then we had the big game. Uh, sorry. Uh, and then week nine was, or sorry, week 10 was Ebron's big game when he had that rushing touchdown for three total touchdown, three catches uh, on three targets. Doyle also the same amount of targets and catches. Week 11, Ebron, goose egg, zero targets, zero catches. Uh, and week 12, uh, and then week 12, I, I take it back. Ebron out targeted in there, finally seven to four there. But in every game except for that one, I mean, that one, that was, you know, after. Ebron was well established in the offense after a long absence by by Doyle. I mean, he was still the preferred target. You know, maybe not by a significant amount, but but definitely enough where he is going to eat into Ebron's production, and, and he's not going to be a consistent week to week producer for us. So those guys that have him still as a top ten, uh, or I guess maybe top eight uh, tight end, I, I I can't get behind that. I guess I'm more sold on Ebron than you guys are. I mean, all the. Numbers you shared there, Matt, obviously are true and uh, a little bit of an indictment on Ebron. He actually scored more fantasy points when Jack Doyle was playing than when he didn't, uh, which I think is is pretty impressive as far as his per-game average. Uh, He averaged nearly 18 fantasy points with Doyle in the lineup, 13.5 with him out of the lineup. And, of course, that that goes down to touchdowns, and we all agree that 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 is not going to, uh, to replicate itself in in 2019 or beyond, but that's okay because that, I mean, that touchdown uh, production boosted him from essentially outside of the top 12 to what the tight end two or three, I think, or four by the end of the season, he was uh, somewhere up there as far as his end of year scoring and nobody's valuing him like that. Essentially what, what I'm trying to say is his value did not, get out of line even because of that touchdown production. He went from tight end 15 to tight end 12 or 10. So to me, obviously his value is going to increase with that production. And, and I think it increased a reasonable amount. So the question probably is, does that create a situation where you feel like you need to buy Eric Ebron because he has that top three tight end uh, upside obviously he did it in 2018 and, and maybe that comes down to if how strongly you feel if he can replicate that you know are, are we selling Ebron short at, or at least Ebron's upside in dynasty or in fantasy short 
because we continue to look at him through the lens of the Detroit Lions and what was done there. And maybe we need to lean a little bit more, even if we do look at those numbers that you brought forth there, Matt. Uh, do we need to lean a little bit more towards what he did in Indianapolis? Because that's, you know, the the latest information we have. Again, you I think you either have to believe that Ebron is the unquestioned number one tight end in that offense, and he's not going to be affected by Doyle to have him up that high. Or you have to think, again, like we were talking about with the Eagles and Ertz and Goddard, that they're going to, you know, 12 personnel is going to be their, their primary uh, uh, offensive scheme. So I think if you don't believe one of those two things, then you have to move them down. So I, I, guess, I guess I'm back to the same question. Would any of you guys uh, rather have Ebron than any of those three rookies we talked about? I think I'd still prefer the rookies, but to me, they're they're all kind of in the same tier because I clearly prefer Ebron to the Burtons and Rudolphs and and the other guys. Okay, I'll put him in tier three then. I'm not gonna. I've said my piece on Ebron, but for the consensus tiers, we'll we'll add him there. So tier one, Kelsey Kittle, Ertz. Tier two, Ingram and Joku, Howard, Henry, Goddard. Tier three, Fant, Hawkinson. Irv Smith and Eric Ebron. Now we got a whole crap load of guys to talk about <laughs> tier four you guys. How, how do we differentiate any of these? I mean, I, I just, I don't even know where to start, Ryan. Yeah, it's, it's pretty messy. Um, and as we've already said, it's, it's a, a mix of some young guys who certainly showed promise along with some veterans who have, I, I guess, been inconsistent uh, I, I know Dan and I were both big, big fans or, or at least had high expectations uh, for Trey Burton in that offense, but he's, he's dealing with the same things we talked about Allen Robinson dealing with last episode that the bears are going to spread the ball around so much. And uh, with, with Nagy and Trubisky uh, obviously remaining there, I don't expect that to change. In fact, it could get worse if they add uh, an, another wide receiver option. So I don't really know. Maybe maybe it's Herndon and Thomas and Andrews that we move up based on uh, the promise that they showed in their first year. And that's what I did when I was creating my tier is, is I kind of lumped all that youth together with Herndon, Gusecki, Thomas, Andrews. I even included Hayden Hurst and Janu Smith because of Janu Smith because Delaney Walker's getting up there in age and coming off the injury and all that. So... I, I think maybe there's a natural tier and what we've talked about throughout this series of bucketing these guys together that kind of fit the same bill. That's what I ended up doing. I like that big group of youth and then following that up with, with the veterans that you feel like could put up tight end one weeks, but certainly not consistently those guys like Austin Hooper and Jared Cook and Gerald Everett and, and the list goes on and on. So, so I kind of like that. I like having Herndon, Andrews, Thomas, and Gusecki in this tier four, so to speak. These these young guys that that we have high hopes for. Um, however, I'm not sure I'm willing to put Smith and Hurst there. Ryan, how do you feel about those two guys? They feel feel a little bit lower tiered for me. In fact, I don't even have them in the, in my top twenty four currently. Yeah, I think there's definitely more questions uh, about those two. Um, Thomas, even even in a year or, or less than a year as far as some of their playing time. I think Herndon, Gasecki, well, Herndon and Thomas and Andrews have have definitely shown more. 
Uh, and I mean, Hearst, we could be kind of having similar conversations on a, on a much lower level than we were with, <laughs> with Ertz and Goddard. So it's true. If and, I, is, and I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to move down and, and maybe move off of Hearst and Smith, but I think the, the overall philosophy or whatever you might want to call it, it, it is, is true that, that most dynasty owners and, and for sure me, I feel a lot more comfortable with this group of young guys, Herndon, Gasecki, Thomas, and Andrews, being that high-end, tight-end two, that guy that you really want on your team behind that starter. I, I feel strongly that that's that next crew of of tight ends that you want on your team more than that those veterans like Hooper and, and Cook and so on. Yep, I agree with that. I think Gasicki, we're still maybe propping up based on draft capital and combine results because we haven't seen a whole lot. But you know, maybe with a new new offense uh, and presumably new quarterback too, it looks like Tannehill is probably going to going to get cut. Then uh, maybe we can unlock Gasicki a little bit there. So keep him in that tier four group, and then uh, I guess that leaves Burton Doyle, guys like Burton Doyle, Rudolph Hooper, and I guess Gronk for for Dan and I. But Brian doesn't have him in his top twenty four. So oh wait, yeah, you do. I lied. Uh, so I guess we have these guys. My, my, I guess my question here with these guys is: Do we go ahead and add the dinosaurs to to, to those older guys like uh, Jimmy Graham, Jared Cook, uh, Jordan Reed, and and Delaney Walker, who I still think has one one good season left? Do we just throw them in this last this tier with these guys? Oh, I think there's probably an argument to be made for for both, either for for them to be lumped in or or to create a tier break and and include those guys separately. Uh, I guess I lean slight. I guess I can't really say why, but I, I lean slightly towards there being a tear break there. It seems like, and maybe it comes down to trade value. I, I'd much rather have Trey Burton than I would some of those names you mentioned, the Jimmy Grahams and Delaney Walkers. I, I'd much rather have even, I think you mentioned Kyle Rudolph in that group. The consistency of his eight points a game feels better than the potential zero that comes along with, with some of those vets that you mentioned. Yeah, that's how I see it as well. So between Burton and Rudolph, plus the, the young guys we talked about, um, I, I see a difference between those and Graham and, and, and even Gronk. Okay, so here's how we have it broken down so far. We've got 20 tight ends in our top five tiers. That, tie, that tier five that we just talked about, Burton, Doyle, Rudolph, Hooper, uh, and we've got to we've got to find four more here. So we've got the dinosaurs. We've got Gronk, Walker, Graham, Cook, Reed. We also have some of some of the younger guys that you know have been in the league for a little while and have shown flashes here and there, but haven't really done it consistently. Guys like Vance McDonald, Gerald Everett, Ricky Seals Jones, um, Johnu Smith. We talked about Hayden Hurst. I'm not really ready to ju- to jump to put him in there yet, but. Uh, I mean, do we? I guess. I guess. Do we prefer these? These? This like next tier of not quite as young as these other upside guys we talked about in the Gasicki and uh, uh, Herndon and, and Andrews tier. Uh, but I guess it depends on how we feel about that versus versus these vets that could have a more productive season next year. Everett is actually kind of a guy who stands out to me. I think he's closer to tier five. Closer to that. The other young guys that we were talking about liking. Oh, okay. Um, he's kind of that guy I could see as as the third year breakout. So he's he's kind of a personal favorite of mine. So up there with Herndon, Andrews, Thomas, and Gasicki. Um, 
toward the end of that group. Okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. Jamie. I don't have a problem either, which which kind of makes me think that 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 next tier of Burton, Doyle, Rudolph, and Hooper maybe should include the likes of Walker, Graham, Cook, and Reed, and, and then maybe even <laughs> even get a little bit bigger, which sounds ridiculous because the, the, the tier gets so big. Uh, but, you know, they're kind of all lumped together, and we as dynasty owners have to have to try to siphon through all of this, but, but maybe they are the, all the same guy. Also, if you want to, if you want to cheat by including these three rookies that we added earlier, that's not the end of, you know, that's not the end of the rookie tight end group. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those guys probably fit among maybe even tier four. So, right. I mean, we're talking about Caleb Wilson from UCLA, Caden Smith, um, Jace Sternberger. I mean, there's, there's three or four or five more guys who are going to be third or fourth rounders, both in the NFL and in rookie drafts, which, you know, may or may not sound impressive, but when you're talking about some of these guys in the value range that we're looking at here in this fourth and fifth tier, that's where those guys are going to slot in. Right. And and then the dinosaurs, as Matt called them, the, the Jared Cooks and Jimmy Grahams of, of our world suddenly get pushed down even farther some. So we're probably having a debate that doesn't even need to happen. <laughs> yeah, we might we might have to wait to see how this end of this this group shakes out. The one guy that feels weird to have this low for me, and I know he didn't have a great year last year, but it's Trey Burton. I mean, he's still in a good offense. He's presumably still in a good situation. I, I feel better about starting Burton than I do anyone that we have in tier three and four, at least on a week to week basis right now. Uh, I guess not over, over Ebron, but of these of these young guys we talked about, like it, it, I don't know. I just I, Trey Burton. I don't know what to do with guys. Oh, I think Burton belongs in there, very close to Ebron, Rudolph. Uh, like all of those guys are kind of the same player to me, as far as their value and their production level. So you would have those the Burton and Rudolph above those the second year guys we talked about: Hurd and Andrews, Thomas and Gasecki. I, I would have them all in the same tier. I do have them all in the same tier. Okay. Well, then maybe we already have our answer there. <laughs> Dan, any uh, any thoughts as we wrap up here? Let's no. It's it, it just hurts to look at the, these guys. I just like just it, I know we're owner. supposed to know it. We're supposed Go to get have... two of the top eight, so you don't have to have this conversation with yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're supposed to have all of the answers. But who? I mean, how could we possibly know how this group is going to shake out? I just I don't know how to even project them. To be honest, we have the boring guys that you think are going to be you know okay week to week, but like like Ryan said, seven and a half points or whatever with Rudolph. Who cares, right? So, but then you have them mixed with the high upside guys that we don't really know if they're going to be even be able to give us seven and a half points a I game. I think so. it was like twenty minutes ago that I said this tier is going to be huge, and I think that's where we landed. <laughs> Well, I think the good yeah. the good thing about all of these tiers is that they're they're basically signals to to one another. What if you're in a startup draft and somebody takes OJ Howard, that's your signal. Go get Ingram or Njoku yeah. or Henry or, or yep. whoever your favorite of that group might be. But that's that's the beauty of tiers. Unless you just really have a strong favorite, like Matt does with Evan Ingram, you can wait for somebody else to make the play and then grab that next guy. Uh, and depending on your draft strategy, you might even grab grab two of them. Uh, 
but I'm happy getting one of that second tier and then waiting on one of these quote unquote boring guys, Burton, Rudolph, or, or even taking a shot on some younger guys I like. Yeah, so you draft these these second, third year guys that we're talking about, you know, earlier, and then take one of these older, consistent, maybe more consistent producers late uh, to be your actual starter until one of these young guys proves that they can do it consistently. I think is where we're landing here. So here here's our final list as of right now. Unless you guys have issues with who's in these last two tiers, uh, so I, I think we've already covered tier one, tier two pretty well. So starting with tier three, Fant, Hawkinson, Irv Smith, Eric Ebron. Uh, tier four, Herndon Andrews, Thomas Gusecki, Gerald Everett, Trey Burton. I don't think you guys feel the same about Doyle, but I'm throwing him in there anyway in tier four. Uh, Kyle Rudolph and Austin Hooper. Plus the, and rookie, the, plus last the other rookies. You got to throw that plus, in. Plus the other rookies that I don't remember the name of already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then our final, our final tier, the dinosaurs, Gronk, Walker, Graham, Cook, and Jordan Reed. Uh, that, that was actually a lot more tight end discussion than I thought we were going to have guys. So, so nice work. Any, any final thoughts to wrap us up? I, I think Dan? my final thought is that there's light at the end of the tunnel with this rookie class, you know, and we're going to get into this over the next few weeks on the podcast here is that this is a strong tight end rookie class. And those, those names that we quickly spit out there of Fanton Hawkinson, especially even Irv Smith as well. Those are exciting names that, that we're going to quickly be talking about it being this part of this young new crop of tight ends, athletic guys that can get down the field, down the seam, and make big plays in the red zone and suddenly maybe infuse this position full of dinosaurs, Matt, with with some youth and with some, some guys that we're excited about having on our roster. I, I think of anything else, we didn't talk about any other rookie classes with any of the other positions and maybe we touched on them briefly, but we weren't mentioning names and, you know, we're talking about potential end of the first round tight ends in rookie drafts that are going to suddenly change the landscape of the tight end position for dynasty owners. That's pretty exciting. And and we're going to talk a lot about that in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. And we're going to get a lot of the information coming up soon, Ryan, you've got February DLF ADP rolling, correct? With uh, rookies included for the first time, right? Yes. Yeah. We'll be starting those very soon. And, uh, and not only those, but rookie drafts, rookie mock drafts as well. So looking forward to seeing kind of how it all shakes out and where these rookies do fall in, in comparison to veterans at their same position. Yep. So we'll have more information for you guys very soon once we figure out where these rookies are going to land, where they're going to fall in the dynasty landscape. Uh, but uh, that was a fun four-part series on our tiers for each position for at least you know the top players. We could we could certainly go deeper than that, but for the purposes of the podcast, it seemed like these were the most relevant players to talk about right now. So we hope you enjoyed this ranking and tier uh, series that we've done for you the last month or so, and uh, we'll be back with you next week with another episode of the DL. Left Dynasty podcast. Follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Follow Dan Myler at DMyler22. Follow the podcast at DLF Podcast. And you can follow me at Matt Price FF. Talk to you guys next time. Peace.